Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesha here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. We're two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode 13. This is The Grieving Chat. Here we speak to fellow teammate and friend Stephen Jenkins about the grieving process after his friend's suicide when he was at university versus coping with the loss of his grandfather last year. Doctor? All right. You good? Yeah, good, man. Yeah. Not too bad. Nice tash. That's right. So, like, this week I've been doing um, like mental health first aid course, like training course, and it's been with, like, a lot of the – there's, like, a few of the big dogs, like our CEO and stuff. And I like, rocked up with this bleach blonde tash. I was like, oh, no. They know, they know the reason, I guess, that you're not just taking the piss out. I had to explain it. The first part of the training was, like, introduce yourself, give yourself something positive. And I think people actually thought I was being serious. Like, my mum thinks this has just gone white naturally. She's like, why not dying it black? But I haven't. <laughs> Little does she know that I actually bleached it and then coloured it in white. Shockingly, that's the case. No, do the rest of it. Do the hair, do the eyebrows. I've contemplated the hair, but I think it's going sooner rather than later, so I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> well, you want to... It's not good. It's not good for any of your hair to bleach it. Is it not? Does it bring it out quicker? Well, I didn't feel like it did. It was like burning when I did it. <laughs> How much have you have you raised? Do you think so far? So I just checked this morning. It's like fourteen hundred quid for November. That's brilliant. I generally think the, there's been like, and my mate, my mate was like. Oh, do you reckon if people kept saying like, oh, I'll give you 20 quid if you do it for another week, would you do it? Like, no, mate. Like, this, I'm not circus monkey here. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't just, This has gone for forever. Yeah, one more one more week and then you'll just be a, you'll be a hero. Well, oh, I don't know. Do you know what I did donate to? I donated to that, the Kevin Sinfield. Oh, it's like, what, what an unbelievable achievement. Mate, that was, that got me really, have you heard him talk about it, Kevin? I heard bits of it because I knew, I knew he was doing it a while ago. And I was like, he's not, I genuinely think, I thought he's not going to finish it. He's not going to, I was like, he's going to do more, but he can't do them all in the four hours. But no, what did he say when he spoke about it? Was just, it was just like, just about what Burrow, but it was just like, it was emotional stuff. Because I, I followed that team. I was really into rugby league in that time when they were all playing. Like I know all those, I know all those, Leeds Rhinos, I know all those players. So to see, I didn't even know Rob yeah. Burrow, like when I found out about that, it was quite recently as well. So I didn't even know that he'd had M- MD. So looking at um, what Kevin was doing, yeah, it was just, just if you listen to him talk about it, it's just it's, it's great kind of um, advertisement for it. There's quite a touching documentary on iPlayer, just with Rob Burrow. It's like 10, 15 minutes, but it's like, it's difficult to watch, but it's reality, isn't it? Like, him and his family are living with MND, which is such a terrible, terrible disease. Yeah. Here he is. Jenkins. Jenks, how are you? Hey. Good, good. How are you guys doing? too bad uh, on the show today he's a teammate of ours down at the HAC he's a great guy lovely bloke Stephen Jenkins hello how are you doing good how are you guys doing yeah good mate we've almost completed uh, the great British guest here we've had an Irishman Welshman <laughs> we need a Scot we need a Scotsman that's on the list yeah that'd be good I, uh, I'll be honest a little bit nervous but uh, don't be nervous it's good to be on you thanks for thanks for having me Oh, thanks for coming, mate. No, don't be stupid. We were talking a lot about how um, these chats that 
we kind of, I mean, Messi and I, we talked about this show, his idea at a, you know, at a bar pub after a game at some point after a few drinks. Mm. I know that we've had a, a few chats as well after a few drinks in that kind of context. And you always get, I think, more, those those deeper chats come out at those points, rightly or wrongly, whether, you know, we should be talking about these things when we're sober more often, but that is just inevitably when they come out. And I know that, Jenks, you spoke, I remember speaking to you a couple of years ago about um, the death of your friends. Mm. And death in general is a topic that we don't, obviously we shy away from, you know, for social reasons. It's not something to, to focus on, but I think it is important to to talk about it in general as a topic and especially in the case of your friend who, who took his own life. Do you want to just tell people a bit about when that happened the pro- and, and what you what you went through at the time? Yeah, it's, uh, I think I think with both of you, I think I've only ever really spoken about it after a few drinks. Um, and I think this, this will probably be the most I've ever spoken about it uh, sober, which in itself is uh, something that's probably worth, worth talking about. But, um, it was, a, it was a friend from school, so I knew him from when I was five years of age. So, you know, r- right from the start, we went through primary school, secondary together, or, you know, in the same classes of school. And then we kind of went to separate universities, but, you know, still kept in contact. And I think from, from school, there's kind of 10 of us who are, who are very good friends. And he was kind of in that group of 10. And it, it was, uh, you know, I'll always remember it. It was October 2007. I got a phone call from my mate. Um, and I answered it and I was like, you know, like, we, you know, how are you doing? And I, you know, I could straight away tell from the tone of his voice, you know, that, that something was up, you know, he just came straight out and said like, you know, you know, Gethin's killed himself. And, uh, I actually couldn't believe, like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It, you know, it did not, it didn't feel real, but yeah, it computed with me immediately. And you know, I feel emotional today, but I don't think I've, told anyone about this moment, you know, over 10 years, to be honest. But the thing I think I found hardest was, you know, I did not see it coming from anywhere. And I don't think anyone saw it coming from anywhere. And still to this day, I still sometimes find it hard to rationalize and and get my head around the idea that it's happened. Like, I still sometimes don't believe it has happened. Like, I know it has, but I still sometimes can't quite believe that, that that happened. And that, um, you know, that, that whole period happened. And, you know, it had a huge impact on my life, a huge impact on me in the year or two after it happened. And, you know, still today, I think I, I definitely still struggle with it. And, you know, one thing that I think I've often struggled with is like, should I have coped with this better? Like, even now, should I be, should I feel better about it than I, than I, did, than I do? And why, why does friend A feel better about it than than like me yeah and, you know, i still sort of struggle with that now you know i think about him a lot i think about the incident a lot you know what happened uh, a lot and to be honest you my dad said something to me once which was like kind of six months after it and he said like you know it's going to take you a, a very very long time to you know get over this and I, that felt good to hear because after six months i felt like i should be over this now i should be in a better place and it's just great hearing from my dad him say that because it made me think like, actually, if he thinks that, I think that my dad is, you know, not hugely emotional. Um, if he's saying that and telling me that, it's kind of okay, it's taking me longer. But even now, I still can't quite 
still feel like I should be over it more than I am, given it, it was 13 years ago. But, you know, and a big impact in my life. And, you know, it, it's a tough thing to go through. Everyone deals with it in different ways, Jenks. Like you say, you say your mates yeah. might be dealing with it better, like defined better. Like you don't know. You never know. Like they're probably keeping stuff hidden up. But I remember when I had no idea about this until I think you posted something on Facebook. I think it was like an anniversary of his death or something. Is his, uh, is his th- would have been his 30th Yeah, birthday. I remember you posting that status. I remember reading that, being like, I want to speak to you about it, but I don't know in what scenario to do it. And I yeah. was like, yeah. I wanted to chat to you about it. And I think, I think the, like, the last few games afterwards, I was trying to catch you for like a pint afterwards. But when everyone's together, sometimes like, as a bloke as well, you don't want to, not necessarily bring it up, but I actually wanted to speak to you about it. But I didn't know in one context mm. how to approach you about it. I think I'd know now, but obviously. Yeah. Would you, would you have been happy with that, James? Because it's like the thing you're talking about, your dad, that's that's really powerful. I mean, the way you describe the fact that you don't speak actually that much about other things, but that he, you know, fair play to him, you know, he came and, and spoke to you about it and he may not have known himself, you know, how to handle that. He may not have been in that situation himself and he's trying to just empathise what you might be going through. For someone outside of that, who wanted to, you know, from the club or something to come up to you, how would you have felt in that position? Would you have been happy to talk or was it still quite, would it something that you wanted to just keep to yourself or to some closer people perhaps? No, it's, it's something I'm happy to talk about and increasingly more happy to talk about. And I think like coming on this pod is like, for me, is quite a big thing to speak about it so much, you know, especially while sober. I think, honestly, if somebody brought up, I, it depends what, how they'd have called me. Some days I just don't want to talk, but I just want to kind of like, you know, really push away from it. Other times I'm quite happy to talk about it. Depends if Mesh had come up to me after three, four pints, probably would have been more willing than to to uh, go through it. And I'd probably easier one-on-one. I think I found it uncomfortable if it was like, if it was like three, four of the lads there, I probably wouldn't have been so keen. But I think it's, I think it's a really important topic to talk about. Firstly, you know, suicide is something that is something that is becoming people become more aware of. And then on top of that, I think it's important to talk about grief. I've really struggled to to talk about that. But on the first topic, you know, I'll never forget the kind of like 10, 10 days, 14 days after it happened. I was like, this doesn't happen to a bloke like him. I was honestly, you know, at 20, I was like, this only happens to, and I, I'm, I'm incredibly naive when I'm saying this now, but I always think, the only people who commit suicide are people who are drug addicts or people who've got money problems. And I was so naive to that, to it at 20 years of age. That's genuinely what I kind of thought. And when this happened, it just completely opened my eyes to people suffering and the lengths they'll go to as a result of that. Um, and that's how, you know, looking back, how naive I was to think that because, you know, we talk about the topic now. But that, that's what I, you know, back in 2007, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, because that's just the, yeah. it's like the stereotypes against it. And like I was yeah. saying, so like this week I'll be starting to have a mental health first aid, like first aid course at work. And the topics on Tuesday was suicide. And a lot of that was like changing the rhetoric. Mm. So like the, the teacher was like mm. committing suicide. Nowadays, people think it's like, um, to like commit a robbery or like commit a crime. They try and change it. And yeah. I, I don't know how I felt about it. They were like, the way you should say it now is like, so-and-so completed suicide. And that was like the more PC way of thinking mm. about it. But it didn't really, I don't know. It didn't really, I just don't know if it's something I'd use, but that's what they're saying. Because it's obviously an illness and 
it's not like they're committing a crime, but they're just committing acts that they can be like complete it or not complete it. Yeah. But yeah, when you said you obviously agree. didn't see the signs coming, Jenks, like what do you what was just the happiest Larry? Like you didn't kept yourself himself then. Yeah, mate, it's, it's absolutely it's it's crazy, right? There's so the backstory is that he so he went, it was a Thursday night and it was uh he was at Bath University and they had one of those carnage pub crawls. And uh, he he went on the night out. He's kind of debating should I go out or not. Decided to go out, and he was obviously obsessed at the time. Obviously, we didn't have good smartphones back then, so he was obsessed with taking a digital camera out with him, and he'd take photos of the night out, and then you know he'd post them all over Facebook. He's like loved doing that. He took his camera out with him that night, and he took pictures the whole night. 30, 60 minutes later, you know, he hung himself, and his his sister got a hold of the, the photos and she published them on Facebook and you go through the photos you honestly would not believe that in 30 to 60 minutes time this person would take their own life and it's it's like any night out the pictures and you know he's smiling he's happy and it's so strange to see it and I, I guess and like none of us will ever know because you know very few you always think suicide people who take their own lives, leave a note, but they rarely do. So, you know, none of us know what happened, but, but you, you know, you look at the photos, like there's no, no inclination and leading up to that. So the summer before we, we were, we were at home. I was doing my dissertation. He was home working. There's about four or five of us at home and a few of the boys were away. So that summer I saw more of him in that four month period than I think I had in, apart from when we were at school, you know, and we would go out all the time, go out drinking and, at the time, I saw absolutely no signs of it. But now looking back, there's two things that used to happen that I think now if I'd have seen it, I'd react differently. But at the time, I had no idea. So the two things he used to do is there's a nightclub about five and a half miles away from home. And when it got to the end of that, he'd be gone. And then I'd speak to him the next day or the day after, and he'd walked home. It's like five and a half miles at like two, three in the morning. I was just thought he couldn't get a taxi, he's just gone home. And the other thing he used to do after the nights out were I'd ring him, let's say on a Saturday after we'd been out together on Friday, I wouldn't get a response. And then he'd reply to me at like four o'clock in the afternoon. He'd been in bed all day. And at the time I used to write it off as a, as a hangover and be like, guy, I didn't drink as much as him last night. Like, how's he feeling that bad? But actually it was, I think it was probably a sign that he was, you know, down, he was depressed and he wasn't able to get out of bed. But at the time, I had no idea that that would have been, you know, an indication. And I don't feel guilty about it because I was like to know. But like now there's little signs there that I think on hindsight I can see. But at the time, just didn't have an idea. Yeah, exactly. Just as you said, in hindsight, you can you can obviously put the narrative together to fit what happened. But at, at the time, those two things could be absolutely anything yeah. else under the sun, couldn't they? And when you're when you're studying with that person when you're in university life even no that's not even saying that someone older would have noticed you know it's just if you've never been through something like that which the vast majority of us haven't then it must be really hard to pick out those those signs and make a, yeah. a story pattern of it were there closer friends to him than you were you sort of very close or just quite close or in between what was your relationship exactly compared to others yeah so I'd say like very close so um there's a group of us like nine from home you know all very close mates and you know I'd known him since I was five uh so yeah I'd say like very close and I 
I think that summer in particular, there's probably like four or five of us who'd like hang out, every, you know, every week. I think, yeah. So, yeah, I nobody like saw anything. Like, you know, not his sister was a few years older and they were very close. None, none of us, you know, saw it coming. That, that, that was the thing I found hardest to come to terms with, I think. And And how much do you speak to the other friends about it? now or as compared to at the time to now how, what was what was being talked about yeah so at the time so i was at a different university to the rest of my mates my mates were at, were at different universities but they were there was at least two of them at each evening and to be honest yeah, I, I felt quite alone a lot during that period because i didn't feel you know at my uni there wasn't anybody who knew him it was very hard to like kind of talk about that i also felt when i would meet up with my mates I find it quite hard to talk about going back to what I was saying. I was almost feeling a guilt about my own grief. I was like, why am I not over this yet? And like, why, you know, why am I not coming to terms with that? And then more recently, actually I was back in the summer and he came up as a topic of conversation. And one of my other friends said, he's like, you know, I still think about him like quite a lot. And I felt really good that he said that because like I do as well. And it made me feel like oh, it's not just me ridiculously thinking about it. It's like, so I think there's like huge merit in talking about it more. And I definitely don't with my friends and I should. I think one thing I'll, I'll be doing off the back of this is sending this, this pod and say like, you know, uh, I've, I've spoken about it and, you know, I think you should have listened. And um, I'm sure that of the group of nine of us, at least one of us probably feeling the same as me, but, you know, none of us, none of us really say yeah. anything. Um, but the thing is like all blokes are 100%. Of the other nine of the mates, they'll be feeling the same sort of things as you, but you've never talked about right. it. Everyone always says, like, time's the best healer when it comes to, like, grief and stuff. And I remember, so, like, for my context, like, one of my, my best mates, housemates in uni, died, like, two weeks before we graduated. And the same thing where I didn't process it. Like, it was, like, the last two weeks of uni, they were all going out. People would be coming to me, like, oh, I'm sorry for the loss. I'm like, it's cool. Like, I honestly didn't brush off the shoulder. Once uni finished, like, two weeks later... I was like struggling to sleep. I couldn't get up and like, you can't fathom it. But then yeah. everyone, the same thing. Like, I think it was like, hey, come in, my brother or my parents where they're like, oh, you'll be like, time's a good healer. Like you'll get it, like it'll, it'll get better. But when people say that, it's like, all right, yeah, you can say that, but you don't believe it. Oh, I didn't believe it anyway. Yeah. And like, how long, how long do you need? Like everyone's different, mate. Like it could be, it could be months, it could be years, but I don't think you should ever forget about yeah. it. Yeah. So a guy from school posted something that, I think a comedian, a comedian had lost his lost his wife and basically said like, you never get over it. You just learn to get used to your new reality or something along those lines. Um, yeah. And I was like, that is actually true. Cause I don't think I will ever get over it. I just think that I'll get to a point where I now accept of, you know, this is the situation, but I don't think I will ever get over it. Like I never will. I, if I haven't 13 years on, I don't think I ever will. And what do you think the, the balance is between, because you obviously don't want to forget him, and in terms of like the memory between you and your friends that you had of him. And, but then there's also, I imagine that there's the point where you, you say you, you don't ever move on, but you kind of, you adjust to the reality of it. And then you, the, the further away you get, the reality becomes, you know, you adapt to it as you go. But have you thought much about where that balance is between how much you would like to talk about it with your friends and what and whether because you said you're going to sh- show the show to them and maybe prompt some more discussions around it. How much? What would you like to see? Would you like to see sort of a yearly 
get together and a toast and a, and a chat about it or more more often? Yeah, so we actually do, we try and do something every year. Um, so he played rugby. So we either try and enter like a touch rugby tournament or um, we did three years ago, he used to play rugby for a team called Bath Saracen. So three years ago, we played a 15 the side game against them. Uh, and next year, we're trying to do the same. So, and last year we entered the tournament, but um, we had a few injuries on the day. So we just landed up uh, having a bit of a session instead during the World Cup warm up. So we um, watched Wales England in the World Cup warm up, which was quite nice actually, because it was 12 years and he died actually during the, the World Cup. So, um, you know, that felt like some kind of weird symmetry. So I think in terms of remembering him, I think like that's a nice thing that we do yearly. Um, I think in terms of talking, I was, I was thinking of this earlier. I think the important thing is you need to find somebody who's willing to talk about it because I think I've had it in a situation where people have to- wanted to talk to me and unload stuff and, I, and I've been willing to do it. But sometimes it's quite a big burden to put on somebody. And I think it's important to say to them, like, you know, are you willing to talk about this? And if you're not, I won't be offended. That's fine. Um, and I think that's the bit that I've probably, I've assumed everybody doesn't want to um, and it's too much of a burden on them. And actually what I should do is, and it's the same, I think I think I remember you know, when we spoke about Factor, I remember thinking like, oh, does Factor need this from me right now? But I think, you know, the, the important thing is you just ask that person almost for permission. And, and I think most, you know, will talk about it. And I think, I think that's why I, I probably should do with my mates and I, and I don't um enough and some of them will want to and that's fine but at least have the conversation i think yeah I th- and that's a really i think it's a really interesting point that you bring up and that we should talk about more because there is no real etiquette around mm. it and there's and obviously everyone loses everyone's going to lose people that they love and in, in different ways and the fact that i don't know whether it's a, a male thing or a british thing or, or whatever it is maybe it's just a universal thing that naturally people don't want to set out the the dialogues sort of the indications of what kind of dialogue they're going to have after they lose mm. someone like that and it's obviously hard to do because you don't want to like you said you don't want to just burden someone with what you're feeling they might not be in the same place as you they might have moved quicker or slower but to at least the way you did it described it there I, th- I think is the way forward that you just get you set out whether they're ready to listen or not and then you go for it because these discussions we're having on pods like this and hopefully other people are having a very, I can tell from you, it's kind of been in you for a while and, and it's come out and it's, you can start to use this to show your friends and move on from it. Yeah. And I think um, the, the, in terms of like asking for the permission. So one of my girlfriend's friends works for mind um, and she was the one who actually said that. So I'd like to credit her because when I heard that was how she thought it should go about. It just resonated with me straight away. And I thought that's a really good way of doing it and, 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 and approaching it. You'd be surprised about the amount of people that we accommodating to speak to you about as well. Yeah. James. But I know, I know exactly what you mean. You do think, say you're out, say you're out for a mate's birthday or something, or like you need to, like you need to speak to someone. You feel as if you don't want to talk about it in that sort of scenario or that like bring, bring the atmosphere down. But I think you'd be very surprised that people would be wanting yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, the worst thing the worst thing I do, and I recognise this, is I'll talk about it uh, on a night out. And then the next day, re- you know, really well, my friends will message me going like, oh, we spoke about last night. 
you know, everything all right, how are you doing? And then I'm just, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, we all do, we all do. I know, I know. And it's not, you know, and Rhiannon tries to draw it out to me often and, um, you know, I won't. But, uh, you know, if, if I want to talk about it in one scenario and I should be willing and, and, and open to it, it literally comes down to embarrassment um, as to why you don't, you know, don't want to come out with it, so. You shouldn't be embarrassed, mate. No, I know, I know, I know. And I'm not because I'm, I'm saying it here, but that's how... How I sometimes feel, you know, the next day. And stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you're always going to be in that place, are you? Twenty four seven. It does. It yeah. alcohol or not, I think it just you find yourself at moments where it does just come up, and you it's like a kind of wave, isn't it? You just feel the need to say it then, and other times it really mm. withdraws again, and you don't want to engage with it at all, which is complete. That sounds completely natural. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Bobby Robson documentary? Uh, no. There's a quote in that that really resonates with me. After after he dies. I can't remember who it was. It could have been Mourinho, but it basically says, um, a person doesn't die until the last person that loves them dies. Yeah. You don't have to get over someone like passing away. Like they're still, they still had an impact on your life, like your friend, like my friend, like anyone who dies. But I don't think the worst thing you can do is just brush under the carpet and pretend it never yeah. happened. Yeah. And you bring up, you bring up something like really good there, which is like, I, I do wonder if I could get my mate back for five minutes and say to him, look at all these people who still meet up once a year, who still think about you, who still get upset about what happened. Like, you know, if, if he'd realized that, you know, would he have, would we have got to a different, different end, you know, end point? I don't know. But I think, I think it's true. Like it's one of the hardest things to think about people dying is that it's, it's everybody's left behind the struggles. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the time. Do, do you feel is part of the guilt? Do you feel angry and frustrated at him in some minds or not? No, so, is that a bit of a cliche? You know? No, I asked my other friend, like, how, how do you feel about it? I, I asked him, like, um, this is about a year ago, actually, how do you feel about it? And I meant it more like, how do you feel generally? And he was like, oh, I'm really angry with him and I'm really like frustrated and annoyed. And I, I can't really relate to that. Um, I don't feel, I just feel sadness to be honest and a sense of loss I don't feel any anger at all because and this is just interesting itself that I don't feel that but it is it is a feeling that a lot of people do get but I find it hard to feel angry when he must have been so you know helpless in that situation so no I don't I don't feel any any anger at all no and you know me I'm an angry guy so uh, (laughs) directed onto the pitch (laughs) and not at not at people around you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that, but um, yeah, no, don't, don't feel any anger. Yeah, but just just on that, Jenks, I I don't think I'm ready to talk about my like like suicidal thoughts I've had in the past. But a lot of people always think it's like a selfish thing. Sometimes, like people who maybe not educated on it, it's like oh, like so and so took his own life. Like think about all the people you left behind. Mm. But I think when you when you're at that point, like you're so low, you generally think you're a burden on everyone else's life. Yeah, and you think you have no benefit around everyone and everyone's life. So you're actually like doing the opposite of being selfish in the sense of you're taking yourself out of the equation to what you think you can benefit everyone else's life. Yeah. I've never, yeah, I've, that's never, I know it's something I've heard other people say, they think they're selfish. I've never thought that. Yeah. And I think, I think my view, you know, my view of suicide probably, you know, up until that point, up until, I was 20, hadn't given it, you know, much thought. And now it's something that, you know, something oh, it's weird to say if you're passionate about it, but I, I do feel passionate that a lot needs to be done to address, 
mental health, you know, especially in young men. And I think, you know, number of people that I know from home who've, who've taken their, their own lives uh, is high and uh, all men you know I don't know any women who, who've taken their own lives and I think, it, I think it's a big issue that you know my, my, my viewpoint my, my attitude towards has completely changed now by by what happened when I was younger. You said there's more than one people you know that Jenks do you reckon there's something in like coming from Wales or anything or is there anything like the Welsh culture think, keep it bottled up? Or? I don't know this for sure but I think I've seen some st- statistics around the suicide rate amongst men in Wales is, is very high. I'm not sure it's anything to do particularly with Wales. I think it's, you know, young men in Britain. And I think, you know, I think things, you know, particularly, you know, where I'm from, you know, I come from what would have been, you know, up until the, the 80s, like a traditional, you know, mining valley. And um, where Wales are you from? So uh, I'm from West Wales, uh, near Carmarthenshire. So it's called the Ammon Valley. And what would have been a traditionally kind of mining, uh, mining community, and you know, that is where all you know young men would have gone for work. And then, you know, when I was growing up, that that was never really an option. And I think, you know, I think that partly plays into it as well. Um, you know, what, what what role do men play in society when it would have been very clear, straightforward, and you know, jobs for life, and things are very different now. So I don't. I, I think it's something to do with you know people, young men, not willing to talk, not willing to to be seen to be. I guess a little bit like what I'm saying is they don't want to be seen to be burdening anybody or see anyone to, you know, yeah. pushing their problems onto other people, um, which is like the wrong way to to think about it. Yeah, it's definitely the most I've spoken about it, which in itself I think is something that you know if I could go back and um, if I could talk to a 20 year old myself, I'd say say to him. Like, you know, you need to go for counselling. Um, at the time, I probably would have thought that was bonkers. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure my tutor at university probably recommended it to me, I think. Um, but, you know, I just never got around to doing it. And I really wish I had. And I really wish that I'd, like, taken that time. Um, you know, it's incredibly young to deal with it. And I think um, yeah. I wouldn't want any uh, anybody to go through it, you know, let alone somebody that age. And that would be, you know one piece of advice I'd give myself for anybody in that situation is, you know, go and go and get counselling, um, or, you know, try and talk to somebody. Uh, Cause I think it would have helped me a great deal. How was, how was your mental health before and after that, that time, Jenks? Were you in a, in a good space before when it came to it? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was my third year at university and I felt like uni was going well. I was really into my rugby at the time. You know, the rugby was going well. I was, I was working up towards like the varsity match, and it, it really, it really did rock me. I think it. I found, especially like trying to do work, um, trying to do uni work. I remember a lot of the time thinking, like, what is the point of this? Like, what, what is the point? I just haven't got the energy for this. I remember sitting in the library once, and being like, what is the point? And I went to the common room, and it was just because I wanted to be the library was quiet and I want to be in the common room in amongst people. And I remember like going to chat to some people who I didn't really know that well and just wanting to be chatting to them because I didn't want to be sitting there thinking about it. Um, and I, yeah. And I remember my mate saying actually um, about rugby that um, you know, the thing he valued about rugby was it's an hour and a half of training or 80 minutes plus warm up on a Saturday where you're not really thinking about anything. Like you're just thinking about, you know, rugby and, you know, going to the next thing. And I don't think I really appreciated 
how much value like rugby gave me after it. So my my friend um, took his life on a, on a Thursday evening, Friday morning. So Friday I stayed uh, in town. Saturday I got the train to Cardiff to, to see some friends. And then Sunday morning I got the train back to uni to play rugby in the afternoon. Um, and I was kind of thinking like, should I go and play rugby? You know, should, should I do that? And I, and I was thinking, well, he probably wouldn't want me to like not play. And it's probably the best thing I did because, you know, I came back to 20, 22 familiar faces. Um, I think one thing I regret was I told my coach what happened, but I didn't tell anybody else what happened because, and even through the rest of that season, I didn't really tell anybody what had happened. I didn't want them to know. Um, mm. And I, I should have been more open. <laughs> But playing rugby that Sunday, like, really did take my mind off it. It was a period where, you know, you were focusing on other stuff. And, you know, I did have familiar faces around me. Um, but I felt, you know, even like, you know, after the funeral and, and built a great camaraderie with, with these guys, I probably only told three or four out of the squad of 25, which I don't, I don't think I would do now. I think I'd be a lot more open about it. Yeah. Just depends if like, you're ready to talk about it yeah. as well. Obviously, yeah, it's good you still talk to, like spoke to your coach and stuff, but I think like rugby and like any hobby, it just elevates all that stress. Yeah. I sometimes think of it like a like a funnel. Like the funnel could be like it could be like full, but like you can twist a knob from like playing rugby or going on a run or doing something to get rid of that stress. Yeah. I think it gives you that sort of avenue to exert the energy because you need something. You need to obviously deal with it, and like you've you've dealt with your emotions now, but you need something else. Yeah. At that time, it was like a stopgap to, yeah, to help. And I think so. One of the first people I told, probably the first five, five, ten people I told, was my rugby coach, because I rung him and I was like, "Look, like this has happened. Um, I don't know if I can play on Sunday." And he said to me, "Look, Jenks, come play on Sunday." He's like, "Trust me, come and play. Like, you know, I want you there. You should, you should come and play." So like, if you don't want to, you don't have to be. You should come play, and. Because he's one of the few people I told, you know, in the rugby club. I'm still in touch with him now, 13 years later. He lives in Australia. We still exchange, you know, texts and stuff. And if I, when, you know, when I've been out there, and I do genuinely think I have, I'm closer to him, and I have a lot more respect for him because he was like so good to me at the time. And I'm, I'm sure he doesn't really appreciate it, but like, you know, he really did. Um, I feel a closer bond to him because I was more open and he was like so good to me around that time. And, you know, he classic like rugby coach and you wouldn't maybe, I wouldn't maybe have expected him to have been as good as he was, but he, you know, he really was. And that kind of shows me that like, I should have just told and spoken to more people about it. Comparing that, Jenks, with recently now, a couple of years ago, that you lost your granddad, how did you find yourself coping with that and talking through what you were going through off the back of what happened? How, how long ago were these periods now? Is it two or three years ago? Is that- uh, no, so my grandfather was a year ago. Um, uh, when 13 months ago. Um, so my grandfather, um, I was really, really close to him. So... You know, when my, when my mother went back to work, I think maternity wasn't very good back in the, the late 80s in, in Wales. So I think she's back in work within a few months. So it was my grandfather who was the one that was, um, you know, looking after me. Uh, and every day after school, I'd go back to his. And 
when I was 11 and they, they built the Millennium Stadium, he bought the benches. And we've probably been to over 100 Wales games together. Um, so it was like really close to him. And in some ways, you know, it was, you know I think like you have different relationships with your grandparents. And I know some of my friends you know, aren't as close to their grandparents or not. You know, I was really close to my grandfather. So losing him was like you know, a really tough thing for me. But it's interesting to think about the way, how different they are. Because when I lost my grandfather, I could rationalise it. I could understand it. Like he was in his 80s. He'd done a lot. You know, when I, I was fortunate enough to write and, and read his eulogy, when I was doing it, I was like, all this stuff that he's done, and, you know, he's done all this, you know. And for me, that was like, I only really had to de- deal with my grief and my sense of loss. Mm. When I lost my friend, that was like that, plus trying to wrap your head around, like, why has this happened? Like, you can never prepare for it, and it comes from nowhere. But one thing I think with my grandfather I've been better with, I'd probably be more open in telling people, because basically he had cancer and um, he lived with it yeah. quite comfortably for two years. But in the last two weeks, you know, he took a turn one day and he died two weeks later. Um, and I, I missed a game one week because I was going to go home and see him because I knew it would probably be the last time. And um, I think I told Meshi straight away and I spoke to him about it. I definitely wouldn't have done that 10 years earlier. And I don't think I've done it had I not lost my friend. I think it's definitely like changed my, my approach to it. Um, and I'm a lot more open now to, to say to people at the time, I actually, I went to my CEO and was like, look, I'm not actually doing very well. Like I'm struggling here. Um, I, I, I didn't do that with my mate. I just tried to push through, you know? Um, and I think it's good to, 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 to say that, you know, you are struggling with it. And, you know, my CEO at the time, so I was, you know, when I was working on it, it was the lead up to, to Christmas, which was like in my last job, it was the busiest kind of time period. So it's the workload and that. I was just like, I said to him, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he went, you know what? There's no pressure from us. Uh, you don't have to prove yourself. You've proven yourself. So, you know, don't worry. As soon as he said that, I felt a weight off my shoulders. And then suddenly I was like, right, I can do this work. It's so funny how a few little words from somebody could just, you know, just change the way I felt. No, it's so, so good that you're at the point now where you can yeah. tell your CEO that though. Like, I think a lot of people are like, like I did it where I just overworked. I just kept working to try and distract it, but it's great that you've got to that point where yeah. you can tell them about it. It's a very different, I think, grief. In some ways, it's like easier because you can rationalise it. But um, and, and again, I think it's a topic that not a lot of people do talk about. I remember one of my colleagues said, and I, I think she meant this in like the nicest, I think she meant it in a good way. But she said to me, because I was getting, I was really upset. She goes like, you should go see somebody because you shouldn't, you shouldn't be reacting like this for the loss of a grandparent. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, do you think I'm too upset about it? And she goes, yeah, you are a bit for like for the loss of a grandparent. And I think she's coming from a good place in that she was like, look, you need, you should go and talk to somebody. You should go for, you know, counseling. But you, I don't think you should ever say to somebody how upset they should be or how not upset they should be. And I think she came from a good place, but it was definitely the wrong thing to say. Did she know the situation she, probably, at all? Yeah, I think she knew quite a bit. Probably she didn't know how close I was to my grandfather. That's probably the bit she was missing. Maybe because like everybody has like different relationships with their grandparents. Yeah. Some people, you know, see their grandparents once a year, once every other year. You know, I didn't have that kind of relationship. It was you know, a lot closer. So maybe that's what she thought, you know, we had. Um, and, I, yeah. and I remember going through a few days of being like, oh God, am I like, am I overreacting here? Like, am I... 
bit, am I too upset? Um, but I was like, no, I'm not. And that's not how she meant it. But I don't think you can define to somebody how they should react in, in that situation. No, everyone's different. And it's just, right. it's just a lack of empathy on her part. And it's actually, it's funny you say that, James, because I was going to say, like, I've only known one of my grandparents and one of my mate died when I was like 20 and 22. The same thing. A couple of girls from work, like their grandparents died. They were like taking weeks off work. Yeah. Obviously, I, I didn't say anything. But that's like the first death to deal with. But I'm in my head, I'm like, why are you taking weeks and weeks off work? Like the same thing that you, it's like, you and your mates has died suddenly and you just got along with it. But yeah. everyone deals with stuff so differently. And I think, yeah, it's, like, like you say, she was coming from a good place, but she showed a lack of empathy and probably a choice of words. Like she's just, yeah, yeah everyone deals yeah. with it differently. Yeah, there's no right or wrong way. And um, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. And, uh, you know, one of the boys from rugby club, you know, said to me, because I met, I met up with him so I had two days off afterwards and uh, I met up with him and I was like, you know, struggling a bit with this. Um, and he said to me, like, it's fine. It's fine to be sad for a few days. It's like, you know, it's okay. And little things like that make you feel better. Almost kind of like legitimise the fact that you're, you're not feeling okay about it. Because yeah, I remember when you told me you were going home and then I think I think your grandfather passed away and then the weekend after I was like, made yeah. no pressure, like, do you fancy playing? And then I always remember before the game, you're like, oh, this is my granddad. And then we got spanked by <laughs> we did. my most hated team in London. But I don't want to say <laughs> this, but then as soon as I finished, and I think, I think we actually laughed about it. We were like, oh, like, this is yeah. God's law. This was, after you, this was after your pre-match ritual of being sick as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't miss that. I don't miss that. It's funny that I um so the first game of the season was the weekend that I went home to see my grandfather. And um so the rugby season in in Wales starts earlier. So they tend to start in like late August, early September. So I went back and I didn't tell him I was coming back. And I went, you know, he was he was he was really ill at this point. Like, you know, he was he was in bed and not very well. And I walked in and he went, What what are you doing here? He's like why aren't you playing rugby today? <laughs> but I, I lied to him and I said, oh, the, the season starts later in England, which is technically true. Um, but I didn't, I didn't say we'd missed a game. But that was the first thing in his mind. It's like, oh, why aren't you playing rugby today? That was class. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. And I think, you know, rugby definitely like, you know, bonded me and my grandfather. And I, you know, I think, I think things like that is, is what made, made us like a lot closer as well. And also, I know you, you know that you're fortunate to have had such a great relationship with him. Like this obviously, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he passed away, but think about the great experience you had together. Yeah. And I often think like how lucky I was to get to 32 years of age yeah. and to still have my, you know, grandfather around. So this is why I think the two like I wouldn't say year on I'm o- I'm over it with my grandfather, but like I I've been able to cope with it in a shorter period than I was with my friend. So with my friend 13 years ago, I probably still can't cope with it very well. But with my grandfather, I can I can appreciate the fact that he was in his 80s. I got to spend like a lot of time with him. I was 32, I think, when he passed away. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that I, I can like rationalize and, and get my mind around. But then with my friend, I just can't rationalize it. Just the, the, the idea that he would do that, just still, I can't quite compute it, you know? But I don't know about you facts, but I don't think you should, I don't think you have to get over it. Like, no, if I get over it, like, I don't. Yeah. No, for a long time, actually, I felt like I had to get yeah. over it. I felt like I should be over this Got by it. now. Like, get a grip. 
you yeah. shouldn't be get, being obsessed about this. That's the, I mean, you were saying, Jenks, about the, the woman or who, you know, made those comments. They, they, they may have come from a, a good place and they were just ill-judged, but maybe that's part of why men maybe in particular don't talk up as much as they should on the one side that they're just worried about because it does take just that one comment to, to make you really double think yourself yeah. because it's not an area where we're all like with other areas of like social conduct we kind of have a pretty good gauge of it because we all engage in engage in it but those moments are just quite rare and then when they come along it's just that one you know if they don't if they haven't thought it through properly and, it, and you're in a vulnerable position and it doesn't hit the mark that they intend to then that leads to more kind of fragility or, or just reluctance to come forward and actually speak about how how feel how we're feeling i think yeah 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 i think like my so there's one thing that sticks out in my mind uh is with, with you fact if you don't mind me bringing this example up and there's a time when you said to me like oh, you know jenks i'm not doing okay um i think we were in um i think we were in oh, what's that terrible pub in old street i can't remember what it was william blake that's it i was like how's it going and you said to me like oh you know i'm, I'm not doing great at the moment and i think had i been younger before my friend had taken his life or i had a knock on for that experience i don't know if i'd have maybe reacted the same and i feel like it's made me a lot more empathetic and a lot more tuned in and willing to you know listen to people and willing somebody is having a problem you know willing to like talk with that person so i'm probably a lot better at like listening and letting other people talk with their yeah. problems than i am me doing it but i definitely think that experience has changed me because i never want to experience that again i never want anybody else to ever experience that again because it's like the worst thing i think one of the worst things i think you know can happen to you um and i think it's definitely changed me and made me a lot more empathetic to those situations so when you said that, you know, I was, I think my approach is different as a result. So, if, you know, if I was to think of some positives out of the situation, that would be one. Yeah, completely agree. I think I, I think I, it would have been something previously that I think maybe you might have spoken to me about an article that I'd, I'd written on yeah. Vickerman. I think that was it. Um, yeah. So it's just those, you know, within a rugby club, it's, it, it's, I feel pretty safe within the HSC. I think it's actually really, a very hospitable place and I feel comfortable really now talking to anyone but as Mesh and I have spoken about that is quite a recent more more recent than yeah um as you were saying I think there's a there is a kind of pattern where you just go through these certain events when you're younger and then that shapes you have just more compassion but also more perspective on the things that other people might be going through and then I would have just trusted to, to speak to you about that and then your response it kind of snowballs doesn't it because that first chat is always the hardest yeah. and one if that goes well and it's receptive similar to when you're dealing with grief if if it starts to be legitimized your grief and go forwards it's a huge it's a huge issue if you go off to the wrong foot in a certain area where it's where people maybe aren't as open to that it can really send you down another path, I think. And it's that first kind of chat. And I know like the HAC was just a great place, I think, for that, just those discussions. And the idea that like a rugby club could be that for a lot of people for those first chats, I think is 
is where we need to try and get to and kind of push it forward. I think rugby sport in general can just do that. Really yeah, well. and I think, so I joined the club 2012. So, you know, the eight years I've been at the club, I think you're right. It's it's changed a lot, you know, in, the, in recent years. Um, I think attitudes in society have changed and I think attitudes in the club have changed. And I think we've brought in a lot of, we've brought in players have joined, something sounds professional, doesn't it? Players have joined who... We're scouted well. <laughs> Good yeah. recruiting policy. Yeah. We, we, by luck, we've had people who've joined who, who have either forced the agenda or have been willing to talk or willing to listen. Um, and I think... You know, I think Meshi, when you shared that article, I think you shared it with me personally, and you shared it like with a wider group. Um, I, I think ten years ago, maybe I'm not, I'd be interested to see how that would have gone down. Whereas yeah, it, how it went down when you sent it, it was really positive, and I, I'm sure I, I, you know the way people were reacting to the way and people who I weren't expecting to react positively were reacting positively. Yeah. Um, I think that's you know a good thing and. The fact that you guys do this pod and the fact that, you know, we have all spoken about various issues and I've spoken about my my friend and grandfather with you, I think shows maybe a you know positive way that the club has moved as well. I think that that's the reflection of society as well. Yeah. Uh, no matter if you're in, in a rugby club at any institution 10 years ago, that like even this would have been taken so differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So you can definitely say that the change is happening for yeah. the better. Yeah, and I think that's partly why, if I think about, you know, when I was playing rugby at uni, why I you know, maybe didn't didn't talk to my my um, teammates about it, because I was like, you know, there's a stigma around it. Yeah. And I also thought there was a bit of a stigma around that, you know, there's, there was, and I, I hope there's less now, but it's still there, there's a stigma around suicide. And I didn't want people to judge, judge me, my friend. That they were like, oh, you know, he's committed suicide. Well, what, what was, was he in money trouble? Did was he, uh, you know, whatever? And there's a bit of that. Um, and I, you know, I know that was wrong, but that's kind of how I felt as well. Yeah, and like you said, now even five, ten years ago, those attitudes I think are starting to to change quite rapidly. So, like you said, you speaking, if you could speak to your younger self. Yeah. Maybe your younger self now going through that scenario hopefully wouldn't have faced maybe the the same stigma and the same the same potential attitudes and risks for that. Yeah. I think the thing that makes me feel feel quite sad as well is that I know my mate wouldn't have felt he could have talked to me about probably what he was thinking. Like because partly because of the time, partly because you know I was 20, I was young. Um, and you know things were you know a bit different, um, and I think if we were twenty now, I would hope things would be a bit different because attitudes have changed. I, so, for example, if you think about the charity mind, first time I heard about the charity mind was two years after he died, and we did we did some fundraising and we were raising money for mind. I'd never heard of them before. Whereas now, you know, it's it's you know one of the first charities I think about. It's got a lot more presence. Um, you know, I know somebody who works there, but back then I'd never heard of them. Um, yeah. I think that says a lot about kind of where where things have come. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But also, I don't think I think at that age when you were twenty, obviously, it's probably like a lack of education in society in general, not just you. Yeah. 
And like, I don't think you shouldn't put it on yourself in the sense of you don't, you don't, you never to know if you didn't want to speak about it. I don't think, I don't think it just, it might not have been able to speak to you, but it wouldn't speak to anyone. Yeah. Like, no. Probably yeah. So enclosed. It didn't, it didn't know how to, Yeah. which I like to think people do know better now. Yeah. So I think not just like he couldn't talk to me. I think he probably felt he couldn't talk to, you know, anybody. And that makes me quite sad to think about. And I would hope that if it was now, it would be, it would be different. Um, yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I remember the the last thing I said to him was um, we. So the World Cup was on, and um, we'd we'd been in Cardiff for the weekend. I think it was when the World Cup was in uh, France, so two thousand and seven, two thousand seven. But there were some games in Cardiff, so we went to Cardiff for the weekend there. And the Sunday, I went to get catch the train home, and I said to him, like, right, see you at Christmas, like you know, as a joke. And the last thing I ever said to him. Um, and I definitely, off the back of that, I've, I've, I've been pretty antisocial this year, but in general, keep in touch with a lot more people now. Um, and it's not to say I wasn't in touch with them, but I just, it's completely changed my, like, because Rihanna says, like, God, you keep in touch with loads of people. And it's like, yeah, because like, it's made me realise, like, you know, things are so, anything can happen. And it's definitely, like, changed um, I think technology has helped with that as well, right? But um, it definitely made me stay in touch with more people. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think that's, that's blokes as well. We don't really, you don't have to, you can speak for, you don't have to speak for like two or three months and just be back to normal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know exactly what you mean, mate. That's definitely what my schoolmates and I like is that we'll, you know, then slip back into it. Um, yeah. Pretty commendable drinks. We can speak about and stuff now, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think even, three, four years ago, I might not have uh, been as willing, but I want, I want, really wanted to. Firstly, because I, when I listened to your first podcast, so the one before Larry, and you guys were like talking about it, and I was like, I remember thinking that this would be a good topic to like tackle on the pod. Um, but also, I can't in my mind say to myself, you should talk about it more and you should be more open with it yeah. and then not do this. And I, I almost, I wanted to force myself a bit to do it. Um, I just think it's a topic that for years I've been saying, I've been thinking how passionate I am about, about it, but I've never, I've done nothing about it apart from the odd fundraiser for my mate, for, for mine. Um, and I actually think even just talking about it to you guys, I think is, is an important thing. Um, so that you know, that's why I wanted to come on and, and, and chat about it. And I haven't been half as emotional as I thought it was because before coming on this afternoon, I kind of like wrote notes of stuff which we seem to have covered without me having to refer to them. But I got emotional writing them, and I was like, "How, how on earth am I going to do this later?" Um, but it's actually been you know a lot easier than I thought. That's part yeah. of the process as well, though, writing your emotion. But when have you ever written? written your emotions down before no not you know not about not about this never written it down before about this yeah yeah and also the fact sorry the main mesh we can't you know specifically to to the, the, your situation but the idea that i know exactly what you kind of mean in just in the respect that if you're feeling that passionate about it but then you feel like there's kind of got to be a marker at some point so in some way there's kind of like those words that's always it's always been there and it just circulates around and around and sort of the writing it down and just the the emotion from that and actually coming out when you come to speak it's kind of like it's already been said
It's a triple threat round. I flip a coin. Loser's got to do a song, a story, a joke. So, Jenks, caught in the air, sir. Heads or tails? Tails for Wales. Tails for Wales. Not even joking. It's actually your heads. And this was probably one of the main reasons why we brought you on the show, Stephen Jenkins, was for your rendition of a certain song. Yeah, please don't please don't tell a joke. <laughs> no pressure, no, no, it's fine. Just for the record, you're the best Welsh person I know, so hopefully that that gives you a confidence <laughs> too. Oh god, right, okay. So I know what you want. Are you gonna join in though? We can, well, normally we, we mute, but we can join in if you like. Depends what you maybe on the second if you get going into it. I think I'm more nervous about this actually. I saw the light on the night that I passed by her window. Ooh. I saw the flickering shadows of love on her blinds. She was my woman. <laughs> As she deceived me, I watched and went out of my mind. <laughs> My, 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 Delilah. Why, 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 Delilah? I could see that girl was no good for me. But I was lost like a slave that no man could free. Right, there Fantastic. Fantastic, Stephen Jenkins. I know. Uh, my... So for Christmas, my parents have just bought me a neon sign that says, what's new, Pussycats? <laughs> um, I wanted to have the lyrics to Delilah, but uh, Rihanna said that wasn't appropriate. So we settled, we settled for that. And do you know where that will go perfectly? Right behind you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. my colleagues all lift up. Over the mirror, that'd be perfect. That'll be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, cheers, Jakes. Thanks, James. I hope to see hear you seeing that soon oh. in a pub in front of strangers and other clubmen. Thanks for listening. Please like and share us on Twitter and Instagram at All Chats Pods.